Welcome to the Bifocal Podcast with John White and Jason Himmelstein, where we talk about business intelligence and the Microsoft stack with news, interviews, and expert opinions from around the space. This is episode 34, recorded on January 23rd, 2018, where I interview Chris McNulty from Microsoft about the role of SharePoint in business intelligence. And Chris gloats a little about his Patriots winning the AFC Championship over Jason's beloved Jaguars. Jason, you're back. I am. How are you doing, sir? I have a cold, but otherwise I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm heading out of here in a couple of days on holiday, and I can't wait. I'm a little bit jealous of your holiday, and by a little, I mean a lot, because <laughs> you're going someplace absolutely amazing. Yep. Not that I don't get to go amazing places, but you're getting to go dive and live underwater for a little while. That's pretty cool. For about two weeks, yeah, I'm going to be a little speck of dust in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, which is... Uh, called Palau. It's going to be awesome. Sounds like it's going to be amazing. I've heard you and uh, Ali talking about this now for better part of half a year, and I see the glee in your face <laughs> about how, how excited you are and how checked out you are, my friend. Yeah. On all things not dive-related. Yeah. But... We still have a show to record. We do. So thank you for, you know, you you stepped up big time this week, man. I appreciate you. No problem, son. You got to do what you got to do. As you mentioned, I am home. I was uh, I was off in, uh, visiting our Virginia office. We had a big leadership team offsite, and uh, at the very last second, I had to bail on you and Chris for the interview. Oh come on! You, you gave me like twenty minute heads up on it. I did, <laughs> you know, but still, I felt really bad, and I really. I wanted to have a great conversation with Chris about how amazing the Jaguars-Patriots game was, yeah. even though we lost. But, you know, he posted something about me being a good sport in defeat on uh, on Facebook this past weekend. And, you know, I, I, have a, I have a mantra where, you know, just because my team didn't win doesn't mean that your team deserves to be trashed. Because I try and teach my kids teamwork and sportsmanship and all of those kinds of good things. If I can't do it myself... You know, then that means I drank a little too much. But, you know, uh, <laughs> it didn't happen this weekend. Or the other guys were deflating balls. Oh, wait a minute. That was the, that was a different thing. Yeah, that was a different time. <laughs> but, you know, it it was a great game. It was a great weekend of sport. And, you know, I'm I'm very happy for Chris and his uh, his love of the Patriots. You know, they've uh, they, they definitely deserve to win the game in the end. We played great, but uh, I was I'm very encouraged for our future. But anyway, we've gotten off topic now. We, you, you threw it into the uh, into the intro of the show, so I had to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. But you know, I know that you guys went a little bit long. I've listened to the episode now, and I think we should just get right to the interview. Yeah, likely. Um, it's uh, we're covering a fair bit of ground uh, uh, about uh, really how well, SharePoint's role in in the world of business intelligence these days. So, I guess without any further ado, let's get to it. All right. I'm here with the illustrious uh, Chris McNulty uh, from Microsoft. How you doing, Chris? You got the wrong Chris McNulty. <laughs> if you want the illustrious Chris McNulty, that would be someone else. <laughs> oh, did I get that email wrong? There was the, the multiple McNulty's at Microsoft.com. <laughs> the uh, House of Lords has not yet come through on my preferred title, so... Mr. More, more the infamous, then. Infamous, yes. That's it. That's it. 
<laughs> so, Chris, I mean, uh, uh, I certainly know who you are, but uh, the bulk of the audience may not. Why don't you introduce yourself? Let, let everybody know uh, what you're all about. Well, I started out as a child. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless ripoff there. Yes. Actually, that's not really cool anymore. Yeah, not really. So I am Senior Product Manager on the SharePoint and OneDrive team, specializing in business applications and content services. Prior to that, I've done a number of things. I was a SharePoint MVP. I was Chief Technology Officer at Dell Software. I've been working with SharePoint and related technologies going back to first beta of SharePoint 2001. So You've been in this stuff a little while. And you're one of us. You were an MVP as well. I joined the mothership in 2015. That's awesome. Yeah, and you can barely see the lobotomy scar. It's right there. <laughs> that's a podcast. For those of you listening, John, John and I also have a video talk back, so we can do sight gags that are really going to play well on a podcast. <laughs> Well, um, and you're you're here on the on the bifocal podcast, so as as you might expect, we're going to want to focus in a little bit on uh, business intelligence and the business intelligence workload in SharePoint, or uh, I suppose what's left of it. There was a time, and you'll remember well, when BI was one sixth of the pie, right? And uh, that's changed a little bit in the, few, the last few years. Well, I think that that if you kind of look at where SharePoint is today. And it's definitely, in many ways, a much larger and more widely used platform than it was, you know, even five, ten years ago. I think we're kind of beyond the days of trying to force everything to be SharePoint native and fit inside SharePoint. You know, obviously, there are certain data sources which it makes an awful lot of sense to decouple. And in much the same way that in an on-premises architecture, I used to always deliver sessions about understanding the workloads and being able to offload certain things like SSRS, SQL Server Reporting Services, and being able to move workloads out to dedicated servers so that your SharePoint core would stay intact. I think it's really a parallel movement in the cloud that certain capabilities like Power BI are better served by being, you know, the fact that they're on a different suite of services that live in an Azure data center is sort of immaterial. The customer experience, the portal experience, is still principally a SharePoint environment. SharePoint is, you know, in addition to being the content services layer across all Office 365, it's the one unified portal platform in the Microsoft suite. So we've come to accept this, right? When you go to yeah. any consumer website or a news page, you know what your what you, that page experience is actually typically coming from a dozen or more independent web zones. Some may be New York Times or Fox, and some may be, you know, the ads that serve up and the videos are coming from somewhere else. And the way that those pages get composed is just understood by us technically. And so I don't think anything is that radical because we now are bringing Power BI tools and services into a SharePoint portal. Yeah, we're not we're not really losing any capability. We're just implementing it in a frankly much better way, if you ask me. I. I, th- I think the uh, jam everything into SharePoint uh, model reached its peak when you had all these SQL guys standing up SharePoint farms so they could run Power View reports, right? <laughs> they weren't the biggest fans of that approach. So I think it makes an awful lot of sense to have these things talking. A little bit of a flashback. I mean, part of it was driven by the fact, uh, historically, if you looked at SSRS, the the native web interface didn't really change. Right. 2000 until, oh, 2016. Yeah. 
Pretty much. The way to create a better and more modern experience was by doing it through integrating into SharePoint. And we're really seeing that, I think, um, with the Power BI web part, which currently remains in preview with an asterisk. But we expect to take that moniker off. And it's probably worth noting, this is something I had a customer call on last week. What's not always understood is when we have things that are in preview at Microsoft, that's really for two reasons. Sometimes it is truly, this is beta functionality we're testing out. There's no promise that this thing is ever going to go into production. All the things you would expect for preview. The other thing we use preview for is for code that we have finished and that is in production and is running, but that hasn't completed all of its U.S. Section 508 accessibility testing for people Mm -hmm. who are using alternate readers and so on and so forth. The reason why, by the way, Power BI Preview has remained in preview is because we just don't have the certificate back from the independent agency that is overdue at giving us that certification. So Dealing with government. As usual. Yeah, well, and the move, I mean, we've got this, you know, fairly major architectural shift that's going on, all for good reasons, but uh, it does beg the question, what if we've made a, a, a fairly substantial investment in the legacy technologies, right? Like, how do we get from there to here? I think that's, uh, there's going to be a fair bit of explaining that needs to go on over the next little while. And that should be a wide open area, right? There is a transitional state. Like it or not, and we hope people like it, the cloud is going to be the center of where we innovate. God, that word. And But it is where <laughs> the latest and greatest stuff is going to come out. And frankly, we're not going to put nearly the level of resourcing into you know classic tools like Performance Point or SSRS. You said the word. <laughs> server that shall not be named. Yes. It's not evil. I don't mean to equate people who like Performance Point in Voldemort, but... Um, <laughs> Maybe some of his minions. No, but there are days, as you you and I both well know, where I wouldn't attribute Voldemort to the people who use Performance Point, but some of the people who designed it, perhaps, yeah. are a little closer. <laughs> You're presuming it was designed. Oh, we're, this is not good. <laughs> we're not supposed to just bash Performance Point, but it is fun. No, but I mean, you know, Performance Point, it's one of those things, like, you know, how do you adapt to the future. And performance points, one of those tools that, you know, it was, you know, it came in through acquisition and, Mm -hmm. you know, at the time it offered capabilities that were obviously unique within the Microsoft ecosystem and that people, you know, you would have to go to really high end systems like Hyperion or MicroStrategy to get the same capabilities. You know, flash forward now, the decomposition tree was one of the things that people really kind of gravitated to inside of Performance Point. And with Power BI offering many of the same drill back, drill down, expand, contract capabilities, granted it's a slightly different set of visuals, but it's a more yeah. sophisticated way and a more forward-looking way of delivering the same functionality to business users. I mean, realistically, up until... Really, just a couple of months ago, performance point still was the only way to get decomp tree or uh, scorecards. Still, when you think about it, scorecards really, and I haven't played enough. There's a there's a new visual available for Power BI that's that purports to give you balanced scorecard capability. I, mean, I still need to see how good it is, but it does at least give you some level of KPI roll up. 
But I think it's all kind of good enough in terms of people who are looking to move away. That's, that's It's a good example of where would we move from, right? If, if we've got, a, say, a, a fair investment in performance point, but we do want to move forward into the modern era, you know, what products do we look at? Is, is there a mapping of if I got a this, what do I need in, in the future? And then how do I get there? I, something I'm thinking about working on uh, developing a little bit of. I don't know how much... Uh, anybody else has done. But I mean, you know, there's definitely, you know, a need to have bridging strategies and some of the hybrid yeah. technologies, you know, the, the data sources can remain as is with tools yeah. like Gateway. And with some of the ability with hybrid BI to be able to take what were SSRS reports and run them through Power BI report servers, start integrating them to a more holistic view of a dashboard. And whether that dashboard is something that you're composing on premises or something you're composing in the cloud, it is not I, I think it's not unreasonable for you to plot out a data strategy that says, assume that in X number of years, and it could be five, 10, that you're going to be principally in the cloud, principally with cloud visualization services. What's the plan for how you get there? Is it, you know, where does the data movement happen? When do you start coming up with not bridging strategies, but when would you start building net new reports in the cloud? And one strategy many organizations have is they, you know, allow the usage patterns to be essentially frozen in amber on the old stuff and let net new start, net new things and capabilities start to take over. Makes sense. Yeah. It's also worth keeping in mind that, you know, we work in technology and it's important to distinguish between technology trends and technology fads. Yep. The same thing is true in in business process and business analytics. And balanced scorecard was all the rage 10 to 20 years ago. It's Oh yeah. It's not that frequently covered in the Harvard Business Review these days. Yeah. And yeah. you know, so being able to when you see business moving to more nimble and immediate strategies it's not a surprise that some of the patterns that they demanded 10 years ago, if they're not as well supported in the technology today as they had been, it's probably okay. And yeah, maybe it's a, it's time to look at an alternate approach to skinning that particular cat. That makes, that makes perfect sense. You know, because if you look at what makes it business intelligence, you know, if you really focus on the second part of that and where things are going, you know, it's natural language processing and cognitive services, big data, mining on unstructured data with sentiment analysis and many of the same tools because ultimately what you're deriving from many of those things is something mm-hmm. which is numeric and compilable and trendable and warehouseable and things that you you know can use decomposition concepts to be able to analyze over time but there's just a much richer tool set if you're bringing that much more close to the azure fabric or whatever your cloud service happens to be and we certainly yeah. hope it's Azure. But. It's always a good idea to sit back and say, what is it we're really trying to accomplish here? And is there a better way to do that now? You know, that's, yeah. As opposed to focusing on what we could have done back in the day. And, uh, well, I guess speaking of that, if we, you, you, let's, maybe we should try to pivot a little bit away from you know, SharePoint as a data presentation platform, but to SharePoint as a, dare I say it, database. I mean, I'm always... Uh, standing up and telling people not to put their data in SharePoint. But I, I, it's little, when I say long-term, large amounts of data in SharePoint. But that, that story has changed a fair bit over the last year or so, right? I mean, it's, it's not such a bad thing to have large SharePoint lists anymore. No, and I mean, this is something we've rolled out 
in the past year a capability called predictive indexing. And we're not done with it, by the way. There's more to come with it. But basically what it means is in the modern experience, historically you can have, uh, and the limit remains 30 million items in any single list. Because you're running a shared service, we kind of extended from the on-premises world the default limit, though, that's saying that you can never put more than 5,000 items in a view because those queries are very expensive. They can lead to transient deadlock, all the things that the SQL DBAs of the world understand. But we can get around most of those throttles by using indexes. And one of the things that we've taken back into the service, although you can still manage your own indexes if you choose, predictive indexing looks at user behavior in a list and says, oh, this you know, person's sorting. This might result in a, in a throttle. So we built some magic stuff that sees the throttle coming up and before the, the user gets the throttle screen we index the column we return back to the user all their results in less than a second so that you can without even going to folders or view you know truncated views and so on and so forth you could put a million items into a view and just be able to keep scrolling so it's a bit on one hand that's makes SharePoint a more meaningful repository for some of the data demands that you know classic tools like Access used to support, mm -hmm. still support. So, which is not to say you know SharePoint has not been, and I don't really project it ever being that true high performance transactional database system. If you are, it is not. <laughs> Nor is it relational. No matter how many lookup columns you add. If you are Delta Airlines you are not going to build your entire passenger reservation system on side of SharePoint lists. I hope not. But it's not crazy to say, I'm going to build my customer complaint and escalation system right. in there, dealing with thousands of records instead of millions. But what I think what that really means is, if you go back to how a lot of people began using SharePoint lists as kind of high, sort of a mashup between Excel and a true database that you know a small group of people could get into a pool of data and share it and work on it all at the same time without yeah. file lock issues. It really solved a lot of problems, but but those are in the, like the dozens of records, and the need to do visualization is minimal when you're looking at a small number of records because you can just look at them. But once you've effectively erased that 5K limit, and you're dealing with if not millions, but still tens of thousands of records in a SharePoint list, that really makes analytics and intelligence a lot more important there because you yep. can't really get a grasp on it other than do the, you know, the the tools and tricks people have done for years, which are to you know saying, I'm not quite sure how to do this in the online tools, so I'm just going to download all this to Excel so I can slice and dice. Yes. And people still do that, but... Oh, yes, they do. And I'm not even suggesting that that's bad, but... It may not be optimal. It's not optimal because there's still, you know, it's still a, a frozen-in-time snapshot. That's a place where, you know, being able to leverage a SharePoint list as a data source becomes really important. You know, we're not done. There is... I can't go into all the specifics, but suffice to say... There is a lot of design work being done at making lists even more flexible. You know, we know that that Excel experience persists because it's a good experience. And what are the best practices that we can take from yes. that to give people a better grid view editing experience? What are the best ways that we can move data into and out of Excel as easily as possible into lists? 
a lot more things being being looked at and worked on just to improve that power user usability score around lists. So the capacity is 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 a key piece of it. And two floors above capacity is the visualization, the analytics, what we're able to to bring to bear out of the power suite. Uh, but somewhere in the middle is just that basic usability feature. And you've seen parts of it come up with the modern experience, but we're, suffice to say, we're just not done. And we know that there's more to do there. That's great to hear. I mean, that's going to be welcomed, you know, a more Excel-like experience, a more grid-like experience for that. Uh, those power users would love that. And I know um, on the power tool side, there's been a fair bit of work go into the connectors in, in Power BI Desktop and into, into Power Query to connect the SharePoint list as a data source. I mean, there's an awful lot of hidden gems under that cover to make make it fairly easy to get at SharePoint data, even the complex data type. That's one of the things that we're seeing a real spike in the numbers of, of lists that are being created. It's something you know, on the order of 70,000 lists a day are created. Wow. Online. Really? Yeah. And so, you know, being able to, and in some cases, that's an artifact of having lots of groups and lots of sites. Having higher capacity makes it easier to start to corral some of those into bigger centralized lists. There's a natural evolution of how people, as you have lots of small lists in lots of sites, that becomes really, it's the same problem that you would have if you have lots of independent databases or independent access files and trying to create aggregations. So having that higher capacity makes it easier to push all of those things into you know, a bigger central list mm. based on what the business scenario is. Without pushing you to reveal anything you shouldn't, I'm, I'm going to assume that some of that work is going to accrue to some of the future versions of SharePoint we're going to see on-premises because on-premises still matters. Eh? On-premises totally matters. The millions and millions of folks who are using an on-prem environment, we think that they're going to be really happy with SharePoint 2019. It's not going to give mm-hmm. you everything that's cu- that's available in the cloud. But you know, And we put some of that stuff out with feature packs, but if you just take a look at where SharePoint was this time three years ago, you know, it was SharePoint. Yes. Jeff Teeper had not come back to the team. I was not on the team. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's actually, and I'm, so you win some, you lose some is really what you're trying to say. <laughs> two steps forward, eight steps back. It's been a really fun time to have joined Microsoft, though, because, I mean, mm. if you go back to 2015, the SharePoint on-prem product was 2013. The cloud was had had a few updates, but everything that's gone on in the last three years, you know, the work began before it, but if you think of that future of SharePoint event two years ago, where we, you know, showed modern and the mobile apps, and, you know, we've really seen a a hockey sticking. See, Canadian reference there? Ah, very good. Enough of that football stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, John and I were talking football earlier, but we could digress. But I fell asleep. You know, Seattle, Seattle claims they're getting an NHL. I mean, Seattle is getting an NHL team in two years. That's great. I can't think of a more deserving city, by the way. I think it'll do really well here, but, you know, they're never going to be the Bruins. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm with you on that, believe it or not. <laughs> Original six, baby. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> but but the, the whole point is, you know, what I wanted to get to is twenty in 2019, you're going to get to see things like the modern experience, you know, a, contem- a unified sync for... OneDrive, being able to bring yeah. things like modern communication sites and 
uh, things like that. There's a lot of innovation that we've released in the cloud that actually does make sense to put out into the server product. When we talk about these t different transitional periods for business intelligence, if you have a page yep. that I think one of the things that's just table stakes there is being able to let someone in an on-premises environment build a page that looks virtually identical to what they would be running in the cloud. So as users in a hybrid environment are moving among different systems, it makes it far more palatable to keep those things running in an on-premises environment because it can have something that just looks great, is tightly coupled to mobile, and then you know it allows you to keep advancing some of those older workloads. And that new workloads yeah. probably will get born in the cloud. And if you can seamlessly, I mean, I'm holding up for the Power BI web part on-prem, right? That's that sort of approach, or you've got the Power BI. So all, the, all these hybrids, there, it really shouldn't matter where you park your assets. You should be able to get the same experience either on-prem or in the cloud. And of course, you know, the one thing we haven't mentioned here today is the uh, the on-prem data gateway that helps facilitate all of that movement of data back and forth. Right. I think it's... Worth remembering, you know, the way that web parts are built, and this is another thing that's been new in the last two years, is the SharePoint framework. And SharePoint framework, for those of you who don't know about it, is an approach to customizing that's, you know, aligned to other contemporary web design and development practices which means it is focused on client-side codes. It is focused on repositories like Git and being able to have open source that you then fork off and you modify to be able to do that. And then be able to choose your own tool chain, whether it's Angular or React, Microsoft. Almost everything we've released in SharePoint Online, A, is being done on top of SharePoint Framework using exactly the same APIs that outside developers would be using. You know, built using CSOM and be, being able to be all of those capabilities, because they are client-side code and they're done with SharePoint Framework, the same parts will run pretty much as is coming off of server. Really, hopefully, we've got that seamless experience uh, that we're aiming at. I guess we'll, we'll find out more about that uh, in May. At the uh, at the SharePoint conference in Vegas, right? That's uh, we 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 should May seems to be an auspicious time. There is going to be a lot of news coming out at that event. Server is definitely going to be a piece of it. There are hints and trends that if you read our blog, you can probably predict. And I guarantee there will be stuff that is really big that no one will predict. We think that it's going to be a, a don't miss event. Jeff Taper, you know, and for those of you again, John and I were talking earlier about how. Fans and enthusiasts and MVPs and you know our frontline customers, you know, are all picking up our, our announcements, you know, the week we make them. And we recognize that most people have better things to do than just keep hitting refresh in the SharePoint blog every five minutes. But you know, we think that there's so we've been in this pattern over the last couple of years of you know in the spring we have a virtual event where we announce online what kind of our vision is for the year to come, and we pay that off in the fall at Ignite, which is Microsoft's big five-day technology conference last year and this year hosted in Orlando. We decided this year to take that spring announcement event and kind of pair it up with a third-party event, which coincidentally happens to be called the SharePoint Conference and happens to be in Las Vegas. Coincidentally. And so we think that it should be a lot of fun to get together with thousands of our best friends and be able to kind of show for the first time 
some things that we, you know, up until then we've only been able to show within the walls of Redmond. I know I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a speaking engagement there, as does Jason. I'm sure you'll be uh, having a few things to say uh, there. And some of the, and there will be, I mean, I can't tell you exactly what, but I can tell you, for example, expect to see some really neat enhancements for lists, you know, call them postmodern lists. <laughs> That's the problem with modern. Yep. <laughs> it's modern now. 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 <laughs> I'm still waiting for the next after the next next gen sync client, but anyway. <laughs> All right, I think I think we've pretty much hit our uh, hit our time limit for today. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna thank you very much for joining us here on the podcast, taking that half hour out of your day. I mean, come on. <laughs> thank you very much, John. I'll have to ask you to repay the favor at one of, on one of our podcasts one of these days. I would be delighted. Yeah, you know, I'd invite Jason, but you know I haven't spoken to him since Sunday. I hope he's okay. And yeah, uh, he's probably still getting over it. I think that's probably why. He, couldn't be here uh, for the interview today, but uh, he's probably still licking his wounds. <laughs> anyway, so, no, but folks who have not switched the podcast off by now, we appreciate, from Microsoft's perspective, everything that you've been able to do with helping us advance the platform, and please keep it coming. Thank you, John and Jason, very much for all that you're doing with our community. All right, thanks again. Okay, See you later. later. Bye-bye. That was a great interview. It was, wasn't it? It was, it was fun. I don't think you need me anymore oh, for this. Oh, come on, big yeah, guy. We I, need you. You've got this, man. You, know, you were telling me, oh, I don't know. I'm got to do it on my own. And, <laughs> dude, that was awesome. Well, thank you. It was fun to do, but I, I, still think, uh, I still think we need you around, big guy. I'll stick around for a while, at least. What can I say? But, you know, it helps when you have somebody like Chris, who's a seasoned vet, and being interviewed, and he also just likes to talk. He does that. So, you know. <laughs> he, and he does that, it, so, and, yeah. and it's not like I haven't spoke with him in the past either, so, that, so, so there you go. Yeah. This is very, very true. So anything that sticks out in your mind, John, from the interview? An awful lot of it. I mean, uh, a lot, an awful lot of it we're, I'm fairly plugged into, so it's, it's, uh, it doesn't jump out. I mean, where, where SharePoint is going, how, what its role is, is something that we've preached. In fact, I did a session with Chris on that topic last year. We did a similar session, the two of us, at, uh, at, at Ignite this year. But the next big thing that Chris highlighted, and he's, he seems to think some really big things are coming. I mean, at this rate, I'm, I get a slap in the back of the head if he over if he's overselling it because he's making it sound pretty big coming up at the uh, SharePoint Conference North America in Vegas this May. He really was. He really yeah. seemed to think that, that was. Uh, they, they had a lot of good things to talk about there, so it's definitely going to be something to show up at. I can tell you, as someone who's intimately involved in that conference, it is. There's a lot that's gonna be good at that conference. However, I can tell you just before the main part of that conference kicks off, there's gonna be something really great. Oh, uh, there's gonna be a few things really great, but I think we're doing a pre-con. There you go. You see, I need I need you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we're doing a pre-con at that particular conference. There's a discount code out there of your last yep, name. It's white that gets people 50 bucks off. But we're also doing a pre-con at another event coming up very soon. Hopefully you'll be, uh, don't, you won't have the bends by then after all the diving you're gonna do. You know, in Branson, Missouri, we're going to the North American Collaboration Summit March 2nd and 3rd for SharePoint Alusa. And we're doing our pre-con there as well. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Couple of days of SharePoint live music. It'll be a blast. Yeah, 
It's going to be a, it's always a lot of fun. Then we're going to Summit after that. But then we go to SharePoint Fest DC, where we're going to do another pre-con. It's a little bit different, each one of these, but, uh, you know, because the product keeps changing as well. Exactly. <laughs> and White DC 100 gets you, I think it's a $100 discount on the registration for that one. Well, there you go. And that one's March 26th to the 30th. And after SharePoint Conference North America, we're going over, I've got a crazy travel to get there, but... The European Collaboration Summit in Mainz, Germany, May 28th to the 30th, we're going to be there, so it's going to be pretty cool. Spring is pretty much sprung. It's been set already. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great stuff. I'm looking forward to the great things I still have in my head from my trip to Virginia that I just got back from, and uh, you know, lots of good BI conversations there that you and I haven't even got to have yet. Maybe we'll save some of that for the next episode, or maybe once you come back, we'll figure it out. But We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Also, there's still those two user voice submissions that we put out there. So we'll stick that into the show notes as well. Worth going out and checking out. But with that... Let's wrap it. Dude, great job, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Don't dodge out on me again. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right. I'll try not to. Yeah, yeah, Take yeah. it easy. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bifocal Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or via your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter at Bifocal Show. The show notes for this and all of the Bifocal podcasts can be found on the Bifocal.show blog. The music for the Bifocal podcast is Indie Rock by Scott Holmes and is shared under Creative Commons.